0: Buenos yeah. dias, seniors senators, welcome to the SKD pod episode number one. Uh, I'm Chris, back from my sojourn to the Cary Islands, very pleasant it was too, I can highly recommend it. I even managed to come back with only getting sunburned once as well, which is a new record for the pale skinned day walker that I am. Uh, I'm joined tonight by the lovely Daniel Murphy, the lovely Rob Latham and the less lovely Tom. How are you doing boys? Tom will
1: come to you first, have you been? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. International weekend's a bit crap in it, but yeah, bad. Yeah.
0: Nobody nobody likes them. Nobody really likes international football, did he? Uh, uh, Rob, how are you, Chief? Keeping well? Yeah, very well, thanks, Chris. How about you so? Terrific, yeah. Like I said, doing all right. I've had a lovely time ironing about a dozen shirts for work for the next week or so. And uh, my little girl starts school tomorrow, so I'm a bit apprehensive about that. But what can you do? That's the uh, that's what you do as you grow older. And Daniel Murphy, on the subject of children starting school, you're still with us for the time being uh, <laughs> until you head to until you head to Sheffield. How much longer have we got you uh, oh, in this in this sunny sunny county of ours? Two
2: weeks. Two weeks today, two. And I'll be getting exciting don't I'm not prepared to live
0: on my own in the slightest but here no trust me you will uh, be the making of you it will be the making of you well we've got a, a packed-ish show tonight obviously it's international week so there's not a great deal been going on but for some reason Bolton Wanderers decided to take it upon themselves to uh, to play a football match while most normal football teams were taking a bit of a break uh, and it's to that football match will come first uh, motherwell away in the league. Um, we scored two goals, we won a game, and Heskey scored, truly one of the signs of the apocalypse. Um, we had, well, who was playing? We had Derek, Pisano, Cassado, Vela Dobby, Walker and Wellington all getting game time, uh, which is useful. But I'm a bit bothered about the, the actual playing of the game itself and I'll, and I'll ask this to you, Dan, yeah. first of all. I, I think, we, given the fact we've got a long season ahead of us, 40 game, forty games still to play and maybe a little bit more, um, that we've been better off having a bit of a break I know it's for a good cause, and I've been a bit of a grinch, maybe. But where do you stand on that matter? Do you think that's appropriate to say, or do you think it's just well, a bit, bit, bit negative, bit miserable?
2: I was going to ask you this question because I brought this point up on last week uh, on last week's show, asking if we should really be playing a game at this point in the season, especially mm. with our injury record. But I think looking at the team that played, it's a, it was an eleven, well eleven and the substitutes of players who have not had enough game time yet this season. You know, Derek coming back from injury, Pissano, Casado making the debuts, getting some minutes, Vela Spearin who have not played an awful lot, then the likes of Dobby, Walker, Silva. Uh, the only player I'm surprised played as much as he did was Heskey, with all the others. I'm, I'm happy they actually managed to get some minutes under, under their belts, especially the younger players, as I said, the new signings.
0: Yeah, I think the, uh, the, the slow start to the campaign of Gary Medin perhaps yeah. explain something with, with, with Heskey having, having a few more minutes than maybe would have been uh, likely now uh, I don't know if it's been brought up in the prod but I had a little whisper uh, off somebody last week that, that the reason Vela's not played in the league is because if he plays one more game for us it's going to invoke a, a, a contract clause that doubles his wage don't know if it's true or not it sounds perfectly plausible and would also explain his uh, his absence from the team for now but we'll, we'll see if anything comes up with interest I'll confess I didn't get time on my holiday to listen to last, last week's pod so I do apologise if I repeat anything that you've discussed um, but on the mother well, issue Rob. Where do you stand on that debate? Do you think it's just a bit of fun, no harm, and a good chance for those out of the side to to get some much needed minutes, or do you think we could do you know be better served by just having a bit of a break?
3: No, I think it's definitely good for like the people like Derek and Pizadeh to get a bit of game time. I think for Heskey, maybe on the Heskey point, I think maybe maybe it's Lennon testing whether he can play ninety minutes. I know Motherwell probably mm. aren't as good as other teams in the championship, or he won't be as tense, but uh, intense. Sorry, um, but yeah, I think it's pretty a worthwhile thing if we'd had Medine and Clough playing 90 minutes i've been like well, what's the point of that but um yeah it's nice to see a few of the to get a game and then a few of the youngsters come on as well then that's always good but does seem a bit pointless but maybe some of the lads need a bit of match fitness so it'll help with that
0: well we have got two games in in the space of four days with wolves and sheffield wednesday coming up two tough fixtures so that's uh that's definitely worth considering now uh, tom i'm going to give you a slightly different different point of view uh, i don't know if you've seen the highlights on youtube um uh, Pisano on, on the right and Casado on the left appeared quite prominently uh, throughout um, do you think they're, they're going to be our first choice fullbacks going forward obviously we've no Tim remat left back anymore Moxie's Moxie is uh, Moxie uh, and we've been suffering without a decent right back for the best part of 10 years um, I, I think that, that's probably realistic would you agree?
1: I think that they're both going to have to Either wait for the current fullbacks to make a mistake, or show something to prove that that, they've, that they're better than what we've got. Because I'm really happy with the way Moxie and Wilson have started the season. With them coming from Italy and Spain, European football, maybe it'll take a better time for them to settle. I'm sure that at some point they will they will play because it's a long hard season. But at the minute, I'm I'm happy with the fullbacks we've got, and I think they're going to have to be patient.
0: Yeah, it just gives us some options, doesn't it? I suppose it gives us it gives us. Uh, some pedigrees with decent lower pair to have decent attacking intent as well, which we need for, uh, for Lennon's counter-attacking game. And uh, with a long-suspected desire to go with three at the back, allowing the full-backs to push on. The highlights, did you, did you have a quick look at Tom, uh, Tom Walker's performance? I had a brief gander at it, and it seemed like he was playing a little bit more further forward. Uh, Dan, do you think that t- Tom Walker's got a chance maybe playing a bit more regularly as a further forward player? Obviously, Wellington can play left or right, but we're maybe missing somebody who could uh, who could play on the opposite flank.
2: Yeah, like... I do like Walker a lot and I hope he gets uh, some more game time he's only played he's only started one game this season and only made a couple of cameo substitute appearances due to picking up an injury in pre-season so I'm glad he got a good uh, good spell of football under his belt against Motherwell because he needs it and I do like him I think he could be a real asset for us because he's one of our best cousins of the ball in this whole squad probably along with Dean Moxley I, I, the only thing is he needs to be played on the left if he's to be used because as he showed against Nottingham Forest I think it was he's too he isn't the type of player to trick a man and come inside as Wellington is he's more of a player who's going to go down to the byline and swing across in, which he can't really do if he's trying to use his right foot because he's not You know, he's quite left footed player
0: Yeah I like Walker too uh, I must confess I see him more as a as a central player, given his lack of pace and his bit more of a languid sort of playmakerish approach, his gait, I guess you could say. Uh, I do like him though; I think he's got a good future in uh, at Wanderers, especially with a young youngster. Um one quick sidestep on that point of view was the departure of Andy Kelly. I don't know if you discussed it in the pod last week, lads, but uh, is anybody particularly bothered?
2: I heard from winger fans that he changed the game a bit when he came on, and on Saturday, and obviously they were two 0 down for ten minutes to go, and they ended up winning three two. I'm, whilst I right, I'm bothered that he never got a real chance. And I he was 'cause he was one he he was one who broke into the team before Clough and he was the one that fans thought would really go on to be something. But you know, two managers now over like the past two years haven't rated him enough to give him a proper go in the team and whilst I don't particularly give Friedman much credence with his judgment, Lennon if if was good enough, Lennon would have given him a chance, as he has done with about seven, six or seven players. So I'm not not particularly bothered. I trust Lennon's judgment for now, but it is a bit annoying that he's doing all right so far at Wigan.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm I'm honestly I'm not concerned. I uh, I just think he's one of them. It's like Andronic and back in the old days. The fans and uh, the, the players, everyone are all going crackers for this lad to come into the side, but. You know the manager season day in day out. It's the same with uh, what's his face, good old Riga. You know, <laughs> you got to you got ju- to trust the judgment, and I, I trust Neil Lennon over I trust the the judgment of you lot to be perfectly honest with me. Uh, but <laughs> to, to get back to get back on topic, um, there were some good minutes put in by the academy lads as well. Uh, obviously, Campbell started the game in goal. Finney finished uh, the game. As did Woolery, Holding, George Newell, and Quade Taylor all had a game as well. Um, I think we're going to see them integrated into the squad a little bit more. I'm especially looking forward to seeing Woolery, uh, hopefully, at weekend, given the fact that Wolves have got a... I was looking at Wolves' side before. I think they've got a couple of injury problems at the back and I I would be tempted to to stick him in for a bit of a wild card. Uh, Have you seen Woolery play yet, Um, Tom? See you first on that one. And if so, do you think he can bring
1: anything to it or have you never seen him and you've not really got a clue? I've I've watched 45 minutes of football um, of Kane Woolery. He spent a lot of it offside trying to get in behind the last man. He looks bright. I mean, he, he, to be fair to him, he was up there with Conor Wilkinson, so, you know, he could have caught his left leg and farted and he'd have done more than Conor Wilkinson did. But I like him. He's um, He looks all right. He looks, he looks pacey. He's got a bit, bit of pace about him getting in behind the, the last man. And we're not exactly spoiled for choice up front, so I'm sure he's going to get uh, a run out sooner rather than later
0: yeah he's been a, he's been a, around the side only for the best part of what six months or so I think it's uh I think it's high time he made his push through uh, Rob I'll come to you next on on that particular topic Woolery uh, obviously he's an attacking player can with his pace could probably play either side of the main front man if not as the main front man himself would you be tempted to give him a try but do you think Wolves is a bit too important a game to uh, to do that
3: um I don't think I'd start him I think he'll stick with Medine and Clough up top but um I think he's worth a risk if we're like if we're one 0 down or it's still 0-0. I think he's worth he's a lad who's worth throwing on he's got a bit of pace so get him behind then that's what we've been lacking all season is what i mean silver might do that off the wing, but there's no one going in behind the headers that Medin's winning, so that's what we need really yeah, it's definitely I mean, worth giving a chance a tempted so, I mean, to try
0: him on the opposite side to, to yeah sorry, I'd be interested to try him on the opposite side to Wellington, I think he'd be, be you know they seem to be fairly similar plays in the direct. Get their head down and they run and they run at pace at the defenses. So I'd be I'd be tempted. I must say I would be tempted. Rob. But sorry, can you carry on.
3: Yeah, I agree actually. Yeah, I mean I don't know if he's ever played wide or not. It might be a bit of a big ask to do that with him. But um, yeah, if he's got pace, then well he's probably going to be better than Liam Feeney, isn't he? Let's be honest. But um, <laughs> yeah, I would like to come on we have twenty thirty. Against Wolves, maybe if we're struggling, but yeah, I'd like to see him play.
0: Interesting, we'll, 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 we'll come on to talk about Wolves in just a minute or two, uh, but we'll bring this uh, this minor friendly segment can I just to an end. Um, object just, on the Woolery. Oh,
2: I Push, think, can, feel free. I don't think he's quite ready yet. He's showing potential, and I think if we had enough, we are lacking pace, and on that front, I wouldn't mind seeing him potentially get on the bench. But I think he, when he went on loan to Notts Knox County, Knox, he had one, he did all right in his debut, but after that, Notts County fans that I know said he's one of the worst players they've ever seen it <laughs> isn't exactly you know did the compliments so I'd I think I'd send yeah. him on another loan spell first before considering him to be I've
3: not seen him play as even scoring goals at reserve oh, yeah, he's level
2: got, I think in the pre-season he was jointed up with Thomas and everyone wants Thomas in the first team yeah. do not they so which you know which is interesting I think Mark Al said that Thomas would have been with the squad had he not been with Wales under eight, under 19 sorry so it's interesting mm. that You know, given his squad number now, it's interesting that Lennon's taking a closer look at Thomas. But I think I think Woolery needs another loan spell out of League One or League Two club before being considered to be on the bench. But saying that Cuff didn't need a loan spell either. But
0: I was just gonna say the same thing. I mean the window's gone' been and gone for the time being. And and Woolery appears to be no closer to leaving on loan. You know, if anything he appears to be closer to the first team and uh, with respect to Knox County fans, I've never met a single one, there must be some somewhere, but I, I would trust the judgement of Neil Lennon, again I'd say the same thing, that uh, if he thinks it's appropriate, then obviously the, he sees something in the player and obviously he decides the team at the end of the day, so if he's, if he's good enough for me Yeah, definitely
2: of course It'd be interesting, Excellent. I, actually, well, I do hope more youngsters get in the team, I know we've got a, quite a big-ish squad now, just lacking a striker obviously, but I think they could, especially in the defend its defensive areas. I think we'll see a lot of more coming through this
3: season. I don't know about that. Actually. Yeah, that's one of the points that is a bit on. worrying. I think, I think last year we had Taylor and Threlkeld, mm-hmm. who were coming through in defence, and then he's gone. Now we have four um, senior central defenders. So I don't really see Taylor getting in, even if he's playing well. In the he's playing well in the um, I think we reserve. Have
2: too many injuries so, to presume that they'll never get in.
3: Yeah. Yeah, true.
0: Well, he's bought a brand new back four in the space in the space of two months, hasn't he? With the uh, Prince yeah. and and Derek, and then also Pisano and Casado, uh, and a goalkeeper as well. So you know, there's no sign, there's no sign of that stopping. Lennon seems to know what he wants from his from his new signings, and that is somebody other than what we already had. So as much as as he probably rates Finney and Quade Taylor, etc., I can only see them heading out for a bit of experience.
2: Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah.
0: Cool. All right, well, on, on that bombshell, we'll, we'll, we'll knock it on the head for segment one. We'll have a short break. I'll we'll have a quick sip of my drink and we'll be back to talk about Wolverhampton Wanderers. So stay where you are. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back to night two and segment two of The Love Park. Uh, it's Monday. Uh, we had a few technical gremlins last night, uh, but we're back on track, I think. Now, unfortunately, we've lost the lovely, the handsome, and the effervescent Rob. Uh, he's been unable to join us for this, set, this second recording. But, Rob, we thank you for your contribution to Segment 1, and we'll hope to hear back on the pod in the coming weeks. So, with that in mind, uh, I'm still joined by Dan and Tommy, very graciously giving up the time this evening uh, on a school night uh, to uh, to come along and to carry on, see what we can do for podding. Uh, you find me a very proud father tonight, a uh, little girl, the first day at school today, which went without a hitch. Uh, a few tears in my eyes. I'm not afraid to mention that at all. Lads, have you had a good day?
2: Uh, it's been pretty. I wrote well. It's just I've done nothing really. I wrote to I wrote some words and then looked after a dog which chewed up my neighbour's chair. But apart from that, it's been pretty non-eventful.
1: Excellent, Tom. How are you getting on? Are you uh, are you back at school, so to speak? Uh, yeah, I am indeed, and I, I've been I've been crying as well. But it's more to do with being back at work than anything. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, coming from a family, you've got—I've uh, got two teachers, and, and my mum, who's worked at a school for the best part of twenty years. So the, the the joy of six week holidays is soon followed by the absolute abject misery of returning back to work. So the, it is give, gives as it takes, I guess, the profession doesn't it? But let's dive straight back into where we left it last night when the when the technical gremlins popped in. Uh, we were talking about Wolverhampton Wanderers this coming Saturday at the Reebok uh, yeah. meeting of the Wanderers, of course, um, ourselves being the true one and onlys. And then that lot, who lost the Battle of and famously uh, to Jerry Taggart and friends. Also returning this weekend is our mate Alfie, our kind of mate, Benny and, and Kenny Jackie, who obviously we've played thousands of games against in the past with mixed success. Uh, talking about the two strikers, first and foremost, Tom, um, Alfie or Afobi, um they've both, had, well, they've both had success, haven't they? Um, perhaps unexpected success on, on occasions at different parts of the, the career. Uh, who do you fear most
1: out of that pairing? With the way he's playing... Probably a phobia. Um, I can't believe the way the way he's played for Wolves and the fact that you know Norwich were after him for upwards of ten million pounds. I just I don't see where that player's come from because the player we had was he had a bit of pace, but um, he didn't look like someone who was going to make it. And then he's he's gone to MK Dons and he's turned into a player, hasn't he? So I reckon I fear I fear a phobia more so than Alf. Saying that, I think he, Alfie will come on and score. Probably refuse to celebrate. And then thank us all for our lovely reception on Twitter in the evening.
3: I
0: really hope if he does score, he, doesn't, he, he I hope he doesn't refuse to celebrate. That, does, that gets my goal. that yeah. in the modern game. You've got, you got to celebrate a goal, and you? Come on. Uh, I totally agree with you about a phobia. I, I give him merciless jip for, for being pretty horrendous during his, his spell with us. And I don't think many people, maybe even him himself, would disagree that it was too far, too far wide of the mark in that assessment. But he has. He's done phenomenally well, hasn't he? All, all credit to the lad. Uh, uh, same question to you, Dan, before I go on t- too much length.
2: As fate will dictate, as you've just mentioned, every Bolton fan slated a phobia to high heaven, and rightfully so, and so Destiny will be just and he'll probably score an hat trick against us, because, you know, then all the Wolves fans will dig out all the tweets of us calling him shite, and then we'll just look like, right, idiots, but he is mad how good he's coming, he's only been the last season, and he's you know, I think he was top one of the top goal scorers in the country last year, in total, of his goals in League 1 and in the Championship, so it's a fair play to him for getting true? his head down and becoming a really good player but the th- the player I feared of from Wolves the most is actually not going to be able to play because he's his uh, cruciate ligament in and that's new with Dicko so he's out for the season and he's easily their best player he's a player who well, you know, whilst a phobia can get the goals Dicko is the player who makes them dangerous and sets a lot of them up so I'm very happy he won't be playing against us it, it'll probably lead to Lafondra starting and he'll score anyway but I'm happy at play, they seem like a bit of a wounded animal to meet Wolves at the minute because obviously they lost um, Dicko and now uh, one of the best players, uh, R- Richard Sturman is it? He's joined Fulham, um, you know, joined up with our mate Tim Ream over there and they've lost you know, two of their most key players during the international, well, during the international break so be interesting to see how they react but I think they could be there for the taking on Saturday.
0: I agree, I mean let's not forget a we didn't score against us last season when he played uh, for Wolves so whilst actually the, the law of the X and sometimes is immutable in football. It's not always guaranteed, and let's hope it carry, that, that carries on. I fancy us at weekend. Uh, we'll talk about score pictures in a minute, so I'm not going uh, to play my cards too early. Um, but in terms of you both, how do you, how do you think the game is going to go? We've heard just from Dan briefly there, but Tom, what about yourself? How do you think the game is going to go at weekend?
1: <sighs> Wolves are a bit of a strange animal at the minute. I don't really know what they're going to come up with, whether they're going to be the team that at times look like they can steamroll or anybody, and then at others, they look very ordinary. Based based on our recent form, uh, I, I don't see us. I don't see us conceding too many, but I'm still very worried going forward. I'm gonna go for a one-all draw. Dan,
2: yeah, I'm same with Tom. Once I can't see us taking them because they, they, they do seem you know, a bit. They, I, I know Wolves fans are quite disheartened at the minute because, they I said, they've lost two of the key players. They've not brought in a replacement for Stevan and so on, and apart from. No, apart. No, it's easy to say. Apart from the best three players, but apart from the likes of Dico, being and Lafondra, I don't see much obvious threat coming from every, anywhere really. Because obviously, they lost Bakrissako this summer as well. So, unless my mind is just blanking and forgetting someone, you know, really obvious, I don't see much. Too much overt danger in that team. Obviously, no, they've got two of the best goal scorers in the championship. But I think I do think we could take them. I think the midfield is going to be a key battle. It's because they've got a pretty solid midfield with Conor Cody and I think it's David Edwards. So they do have a pretty solid midfield. It's going to be an interesting battle in that department. And I don't. Know, I really don't. Know, I really can't call it either way. To be sure.
0: They're a funny team actually this season. They started off in, in, in they started off in an average in average form with with seven points from their five games, and the goal difference is only only three better off than ours. Yeah. So, I mean, they've not ripped up any trees by any, any respect. They've, you know, they've got half the points of Brighton who lead, who lead the table at the moment. So they've had a bit of an average start too. And our record against at home isn't, isn't bad at all in recent years. We've got the Indian sign over him. Uh, personally, I think we can win it. I, I really do. Uh, I totally accept your points, though, both of you, about Wolves being a bit of an up-and-down team. You never truly know what you're going to get it's been a long time since we've played Wolves and I, and I think we've, we've lost at home, for, from memory serves. Anyway, it doesn't seem like it's been that, that frequently. So fingers crossed we can get it in. Now, team news, um, we don't know a lot at this minute in time. Obviously, we're, we're a few days away from, uh, from the game itself, so lots could change. Uh, bearing in mind the team that played against Motherwell, uh, we spoke about we spoke about in segment one, I, th- I think changes might be possible, if, if not likely. Obviously, uh, the likes of Heskey came in and did well against Motherwell. Uh, not only that, Pisano uh, and Casado, the the two new signings at fullback, could be an option. Tom, do you think there's any mileage in the, in, the, in those two coming in, or do you think Moxie and Wilson have got it pretty much sewn up for the time being?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm not for changing that back four at the minute, um, not one bit. Uh, the way that they're playing, each one of them individually deserves to be starting every game based on what they've shown so far. Um, I'm sure that, that the the fullbacks coming in and Derek coming back to full fitness is going to provide. A bit of competition, which is which is brilliant for the club. Um, And going forward in the season, I'm sure they'll get they'll get game time. But at the minute, you you can't touch that back four, uh, including the keeper. Actually, Um, you can't touch the back five at all.
2: The only thing is, we have to because David's suspended. Oh, Oh, I'm happy. I'm very happy in this case though, because Derek's coming in now. I can't speak. I've forgotten about that. I can't speak too much of like Derek's defensive capabilities. I'm very excited to having him in the team for his passing ability because I really do think that with him getting the balls up to Medine, which aren't just balls, actually, you know, good eight, you know, good calculated passes, rather than just aimless hoofs up the pitch from David who is absolutely atrocious at passing the ball. I'm excited that I think Medine could could come good against Wolves if it is Derek getting the ball to him rather than. You know, just aimless hoof balls that he's trying to win headers on because you remember the goal, I think it was Oldham when Derek hit a beautiful ball over the top and Medine took a great touch and then sweeped it in past the keeper so I am. that's one change that's inevitable and I'm excited for it to be honest with you.
0: Yeah, I think it's interesting isn't it because obviously we, we all want to see how Derek goes on and not to mention Wolves having a, a, a bit of a rejig backline within a friend of light of and having been sold this past week which could give it uh, a bit of an option for, for Derek to play his long balls up to a defence that might not necessarily be the most familiar with one another, again I'm not too up on Wolves present squad in order to know who they're going to play in the, in, in the stead of Stedman uh, but I think it's interesting and I do think it's going to give us an angle, uh, personally I wouldn't change too much, obviously the, the, the whispers about Vella's contract being what they are, I don't know whether they're true or not, I'm only repeating what I've heard a bit of gossip but that would go some way to explaining his absence, um, there'll comment coming in, in the next segment where we've analysed the BWSA uh, revelations that Lennon's come out with this evening so we'll talk a bit more about Vella then uh, but I'd be very loath to, to change the team too much. Obviously, we've got no choice on David. Everyone's pretty happy with Derek coming in. Um, I, I think even if he's not 100% fitness, we haven't really got a choice but to play him. The likes of Taylor and Holding are not really going to come in at this point so, as well. So I think we're all in, in, in large pers- agreement there, Dan, would you say?
2: Well, I was going to ask you, would you persevere with Clough and Medina up front, or would you look to change that potentially?
0: Well, interesting point. I know in segment one, I think I said I didn't listen to the podcast. Uh, I listened to it today, actually, when I was all driving right. to and from work. And I think you're all absolutely off your head for thinking about Zach Clough not being in the team. I, there's no there's no argument for me about Clough not being in the team. He should be one of the first names on the sheet every single week along with Amos. I, I, I respect your opinions where you're coming from uh, in terms of giving him a rest or having him coming off the bench. But I think you're all absolutely bonkers. Absolutely bonkers. There's no way on on earth that that you put your best player on the bench to try and make an impact just because he's not scored for a couple of games. You know, I think we've got to appreciate that. The club's only a lad. This he's probably barely played 20 games for the club. He doesn't need resting. His confidence is probably as high as it's ever going to be in his whole career. And he doesn't play to me like somebody who's who's struggling with the burden of responsibility. He's just playing with me as a as a lad who's. Finding a, a new way to cope with the fact that he's a dangerous player. Everyone knows about him now, and everyone's double marking him. And I think he's got the quality to overcome it. So yeah, I, I would definitely, definitely keep Clough and Medine in. Um, I, I think Clough's got too much about him, and I think Medine's got the potential. Still, I'm not not prepared to write him off by any stretch of the imagination yet. It's early days, and I'm 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 with Lenny. I'm, I think that perhaps if he gets one goal, then uh, there'll, there'll be more to follow. At least I certainly hope so. I know there's been a bit of a backlash, hasn't there, on Medine? Um, backlash, I mean, in in a week, weak sort of sense. Uh, from supporters given his lack of goals which I, again I can understand that it's fair enough he, that's what he's there for um, but I think circumstances are, are, are a little bit mitigating in his defence um, I'm not going to go over it too much Dan with yourself cause obviously on the pod last week you, you spoke about it and Tom also uh, with, with our good friend Liam um, so yeah that's where I stand on that I just thought I'd address your, your comment from the podcast last week about that um, you're right, but you're also completely wrong. <laughs> completely, completely Always. wrong. Completely wrong at the same time. All of you. Not to be too dissenting, but just to offer a slight different point of view. Um, right. So we'll knock wolves on the head with a very brief score prediction. Uh, Tom,
1: uh, I'm going to stick with my one-one from before. We might need to take the lead in this one. If we fall behind, I'd worry. Fair enough, Dan.
2: See, I'm really off two minds. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that we'll nick it one 0
1: 1-0. And excellent.
0: Well, I'm definitely going to go with a bolt win. I'm going to go with 3-1. Uh, we won't uh, then we won't score the first goal. We, you know, these days, when do we ever score the first goal, unless it's the under-18s or 21s? Uh, and then we'll go on to, to win, take the three points. We'll all be happy. Uh, we'll come home at night and that'll be that. Everyone will be joyous and full of merriment. Uh, right. Super. Uh, well, that was only a very brief segment, but we'll knock it on the edge because we've got a fairly detailed one to come into next as we analyse the BWSA, uh, BWSA meeting of this evening and Lenny's comments which is certainly certainly warranting debate so stay where you are we'll be back momentarily Okay, back once again with the ill behaviour segment 3 of the Love Pod 26 Uh, we're going to focus on this evening uh, that's Monday evening's uh, BWSA association meeting up at the Reebok which took place between the sweaties there and the Lenny Lenny went to the game went to the, uh, the meeting it seems with an open mind and open mouth as well he's been pretty indiscriminate in his in his comments there's no holding back from the man I do like that honesty about him uh, but let's go through the comments uh, we'll, we picked out the ones that we found to be more interesting than others um, and we're going to elaborate on them and give our opinions whether you want to hear them or not but I presume you want to hear them otherwise you won't be listening um, but Dan uh, Rachubka. first of all Obviously, I was on holiday when, when we signed the lad um, know a bit about him from his career uh, who doesn't he's been more or less everywhere Um You wrote a lovely piece, which I'm sure his family will have have printed off and framed and put in the bathroom. Uh, You said that you wonder whether there was any point in signing Rachubka. For those that haven't read the article yet, would you mind just giving us the gist of your argument, and then I'll I'll tell you why you're wrong?
2: Yeah, no worries. I'm completely used to that. But basically, and I'll I'll have you say that the poll agreed with me. But basically, I argued that Rachubka isn't very good. He's been around for a bit. Yeah, he gives some experience. I don't mind the bloke, but is there any point in... Spending our a section of our already limited wage budget on a goalkeeper when Fitzsimmons, well, appears to be capable. Apparently not in Neil Lennon's eyes. He's capable at least until something happens to Amos. And even if something happens to Amos, someone's he's going to try to sign someone other than Ratchukha anyway because Richubka is not, not very good. Basically, there was no point in signing Ratchukha, in my opinion.
0: Right. Where do we go from there? You, I, I yeah, you're, you're wrong. Basically, you're Why? totally wrong. And you're a despicable human being. Paul Ratukka is an experienced footballer at the highest level. Yeah, but he's a shit level. And um, granted, how, how, have you seen how many times have you seen him play?
2: I don't. I've heard. I don't need. I don't need to see. A- I don't exactly. need to smell shit to know it stinks, Christopher.
0: That's a lovely phrase, but you've uh, you've also been around the line of Vienna long enough to know that you, you can't just go for what people on the internet say. People on the internet make up all kinds of shit. We, we do it every single week. I think that somebody of his experience, of his, his, uh, the time that he spent around all kinds of different clubs, all kinds of different teams at different levels, will only serve to benefit our two, and let's not forget our two young goalkeepers. Amos at, what, 25? He's barely, barely even started his professional career. This is the first... Or, or, you know, first or second, given a couple of loan spells in there, full season as a number one for any team. And Ross Fitzsimmons has only been seen playing for pre season friendlies on YouTube. You know, the lads has got no kind of pedigree whatsoever. We've heard tonight from the BWSA meeting that Lennon thinks that Fitzsimmons isn't ready and that he'll also be seeking out a new goalkeeper in January. Um, I, I can't for a minute think that he's not talking about a backup goalkeeper here with, with the intent of Fitzsimmons going out on loan. Uh, and Rachubka, for, for what I understand, is, is cheap as Chips. We're talking about best part of about two grand a week, uh, which is not, which is neither in or there. Even for a club of Wanderers limited finance, I think Rachubka is is a very very. I'm not going to say astute. I'm not going to go be that strong. But I think it's a it's a reasonable signing to make given the circumstances. We need somebody there to provide experience backup. And and what happens if Amos or, or Fitzsimmons get you know? We've got William Escaline who's a first year first year graduate. And we've got Campbell as well, who uh, who played in the Motherwell game. That's the first time any of us have seen him. So I think you've maybe have been a little bit harsh on, on Paul Trubka there. I very much doubt whether we'll actually see him playing a game for Wanderers at all. Um, but I want to congratulate you on finding a picture of him on, on the website. That's got Alex back around as well. Um, so on that bombshell, we'll move on. We'll talk about the BWSA meeting. Like I said, uh, there has been a few interesting tidbits uh, taken from the the, the transcript that one of the found on on Twitter. I can't remember what your name was who so did it, but uh, well oh, done. Oh, you oh, us a bit. Of, he deserves a share. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To be fair. yeah give, give him give give a bit of credit because it's it's given us something to talk about, something very yes, interesting that at, wasn't there last night.
2: At bwfc talk.
0: OK, fair enough. Good on you, wherever you are. Male, female, boy, girl, not interested, but well done. Uh, we do appreciate your um, commitment to the cause as well. Uh, right, so what we'll do is we'll go through each of these, these individual points. Like I said, there's about six or seven. Um, I'll ask you for your opinion, lads. I'll chip in with mine and we'll come to some sort of consensus to them. I'll do it to you, Tom, on the first first one. Um, Lennon, like I just said previously, admitted at the meeting that he'd be looking for a new goalie in January with Fitzsimmons not being ready Um where do you stand on the whole goalkeeping debate, with Richubka in mind, and with the revelation that, despite now having three senior goalkeepers
1: on the books, uh, he's still looking for another one? Uh, I'm I'm with Dan on this. Yes. He's a second. He's a second-rate goalkeeper. Um, I I hope and uh, and expect that he'll be third choice, not second choice. Um, and if he's going to go out in January, um, why why is he bringing him in? Why, why is he why is he bringing a goalkeeper in? to send a, another one out on loan to then go and buy another one in January. It, it just, it makes no sense. Why is he... I, I just don't get it. I really don't get this decision. But based on the fact, I mean, when you're signing players that a mate of mine went to school with, you're thinking, God, we've we've come a long way. <laughs> like, I, I told a, a mate of mine who's a United fan that we were signing an ex-United keeper. He was like, yeah, I went to school with him. He played one game for Man United at the Maracanã. Um <laughs> but we need to stop signing ex blackpool players this is where we're going wrong we are signing ex blackpool players and it needs to stop
0: one of you made an interesting point on the podcast last week that I listened to again today like i said um about signing people from blackpool i've always been against signing anybody from relegated teams we've been stung in the past um you know muamba other players such as the medine Played for teams that have been relegated and they've been relegated for a reason because they're not good enough. Uh, so we, we've, we've made mistakes like that in the past but that's my moderately controversial statement for tonight. I, I never hated Fabrice Mwamba. But. Uh, but Daniel, same question to you. Um, I know we've briefly spoken about Rachubka and the goalkeeping situation there but ignoring Rachubka and his purpose but what, what do you think Lennon's doing We're talking about another goalkeeper in Jan?
2: Yeah, I completely agree with Tom. I don't see the point. I, I can stomach bringing Rachubka in as backup, as you say, experience. So I, I can stomach it even though I do don't really see the point. Really, with our current wage structure and whatnot. But to bring in another one, I, that is completely pointless. Just send out Fitzsimmons with a clause saying, you know, a, a, whatever it's called, a bring back clause if he, if anything does happen to Amos, we can just call him back in and they can sit on the bench if, you know, and God forbid Richubka's in goal. I really don't see the point in getting another one if we do have Richubka in. It's just, it just seems like a complete waste of finances for me when, you know, we're already struggling to. Compete with anyone to get a half decent striker
0: in. Yeah, I, I I totally agree with you both. Um, whilst I disagree on the Rucoba issue, I, I do agree on your stance on that on this this fourth goalkeeper. There must be some other some other situation at play here that we don't we don't know the full details of and we don't understand, which I'm sure will come to light as time passes. Uh, but we'll move on to the next uh, right. This was the one that got my attention straight away. Uh, admitting there had been interest in Vela and Clough. Uh, are you two worried that uh, this might mean a January move for
1: one, both, uh, or neither? There, Tom. That comes to you first. Um, am I right in saying that this is Vela's last twelve months on his contract?
0: Not too sure. Not. I, I can't say. I'm, I've got two thousand and seventeen in mind, but I, I could be mistaken. I know it's definitely two thousand and seventeen for Clough, So he's got right. a further a further season, a season or a two seasons on his deal after this one. I, I'm thinking it's the
1: same for Vella, but don't uh, don't quote I'll me. That's being official.
2: Yeah, but carry
1: on. Well, the the, the thing is, I mean. There's definitely going to be interest in those two. Um, you know, there's rumours of Manchester United looking at Clough when we were in Austria. Liverpool have had a look at Josh Villa. The, the Premier League players, they are. Well, they're going to be anyway. 2017. It,
2: Sorry for right, that. Right, so, that, so
1: that it's, it's, it's next summer, isn't it? Yeah. So, if we're going to sell, it needs to be this year because you know what happens when players go into the last 12 months. Look at Chungi last yeah. year. They're never going the to be refounds. more
0: than, isn't it? They're never going to be more valuable than they are in the next 12 months are they, let's face it.
1: The, the Premier League, they will be. They will develop into Premier League players. Um, and if we're, we're going to get a fair price for them, then it's probably going to be either January or in the summer. And it'll be a disappointment to lose them, but if, if they were to stay at Bolton in the long term, then they'd be wasting their careers because, let's face it, they, they're better than us, aren't they? The Premier League quality. Yeah, Dan, we just standing that I don't think there's much, there's much room for uh, for disagreement on this topic, is there? So, what,
2: am I worried that they'll, am I worried that it'll go because of the interest that's been shown in them?
0: I'm, I'm, I'm going to say more to the point: that, as, as mm. you worried, obviously worried that they're going to go because they're going to go. Mm. But do you think it's going to be sooner rather than later? Yeah, then put it well, that way.
2: Well, I'm not, I'm not worried at the minute from you know, the interest that Lennon's admitted to. Because I think it's just any big club doing the sensible thing and just literally just keeping tabs on promising young players. That that doesn't strike me as completely surprising. You know, you just you would just keep an eyes on them, wouldn't you? Or you know, just inquire and see what's going on. So that doesn't worry me that much now. But in terms of them going at some point, yeah, then it's quite inevitable and quite sad. If I don't know, if maybe if Lennon can get in the rear and like get them to commit, maybe and you know, extend the contracts each by two years twist the rear saying you know this is a good club for you to develop at because you're going to get game time it's well not in Vela's case at the moment but you get what I'm saying if he twists it that way then maybe we'll get him for a bit longer and you'll know, see him as they quickly grow to the peaks but yeah they're not they're not going to stay forever Ellie. Really. so we may as well just enjoy him while we can.
0: Uh, I think I'm a, I'm a slightly different opinion. I personally don't think either of them are ready just yet. So I think that you're both right in that it's it's going to be something that we're going to be looking at, at the summer. You know, keep him until the summer. The way Clough started last well finished last season, I should suggest I should say is that he I was worried that he'd be gone. Now I would be gone at Christmas. Um, I'm thinking perhaps his he's relatively slow start compared to last season might put a kibosh on that. But I think class will will show in the end. He'll, he'll end up being the, the top scorer, best player that we expect him to be, uh, and therefore a move in the season is probably likely. But the best we can hope for is maybe like uh, there's been a couple of moves lately where players have been picked up by prem clubs and loaned back to the parent uh, yeah. to the parent side for the, for the for the remainder of the season. I, I think if we're desperate, so desperate for cash and to succeed, there's an option for those looking at doing that in in, uh, in January. Maybe put both up for sale, then get a couple, get a few million quid per, get them back on loan, and then see where we go from there. I uh,
2: think they'll still be playing. For, I think both of them will still be playing for us at the start of next season.
1: Oh, big that's,
2: call! I'll, I'll call
0: that. I think that's big. I think call. That's, yeah. I think that's. All, I, I'd, I'd love you. I'd love for I'm you to be right.
2: Further, the end of next season, they'll still be with us.
0: See now, I think now I
1: think you've been drinking. You no, see. no, now, now I'll you've been,
2: now call, call that. And we'll see in you know two years' time. So. Okay. So do you
1: think do you think we'll sign new contracts or just watch them wind down?
2: Um, either or, probably the latter. But I still <laughs> think they will be a. I do, I still think will I'd.
0: A... I'd love for that to be right, but I think we've neither got the clout, the the finances, or the wherewithal to uh, to to make them stay that long. I don't think we could afford to let sure. them stay that long, especially if if both have good seasons. Because, like I said, they're never they're never going to be from our point of view more valuable than they will be at the end of this season, especially with the the contracts both ending the season after. Uh, but we'll we'll keep an eye on that one, especially with you making such a bold claim. Uh, right, next next one, uh, similarly bold claim, provoked raised a few eyebrows uh, in my gaff tonight. Um, well, two because I'm the only one that's up; they've all gone to bed. Um, but Lennon stated that Dan's covers more ground
1: and spearing and offers more dynamism. Um, Tom, are you surprised to hear this? No, I think this is the least controversial thing that he said. Looking at this list of things I've got in front of me, um, it's it's one of those rare occasions where uh, I'm in agreement with Lennon. I don't think there's anything controversial about that. I think Prattley aside, Danz covers more ground than any of our central midfielders. Spearing's uh, an on-the-ball player, isn't he? He gets the ball down, looks for the short pass, sometimes tries to do too much with it. Whereas with Danz, he's off the ball, he's harrying his marker and, and getting across the pitch. So I think he's right with that. I think he's spot on. Yeah, fair dues. I
0: think I'd probably be on uh, on board with the majority of that. I do think Dan's is, is obviously... Um, I'm going to harp back to something said in the last pod, I think it was by Dan, about how Dan's was, was impressive, really impressive during his loan spell. And obviously we, we suffered from the, the sort of curse of when that loan spell gets made permanent. Uh, the reality of the situation sometimes doesn't quite match what you expect. Uh, but I, I think Lennon's totally right in in, in what he said. Um, personally, I, I think Spearing can be quite dynamic. I think he's decent to get ball and moving it on, I think he's better at that than Dan's uh, I, I don't think there's any any disagreement in terms of, uh, of him covering more ground, Spearing quite a, quite a static player, he's not really seen at the end of the opposition box far uh, far too often uh, but Dan, where do you stand on that one? Spearing and Dan's in terms of, of being dynamic and covering more ground, Lenin Lennon right or has Lennon, uh, Lennon no, been yeah, on the pop again?
2: Lennon's spot on, he's, I'm not, I don't I'm, I know, we obviously weren't in the meeting so we don't know the entirety of what Lennon said I don't know if Lennon outwardly said that Dan's was a better player than Spearing but because then I disagree, but Dan's—he's right. With Dan's does cover a lot more ground. Because like Tom said, Tom said perfectly. Dan's is a player who will close down the player more, whereas Spearin is the type of player who will close down the space and try and um, make the angles smaller for players to get through. So, and as you said, Spearin's obviously a very static player. He will sit at the base of the midfield and just try and pick the ball up and then give it spray it whereas Danz is moving a lot more, whilst the jobs are pretty much the same, just win the ball back and give it on, Dan's is doing it pretty much all around the pitch, whereas Spearman is just in front of the defence, but you know, yeah, I agree with those comments, but Spearman is a player I'd like to see get more game time, because I do think he can he can pass the ball better, he can get on the ball better, and I don't think he's been given a fair shot really after his brilliant performance against Derby, but it's just how it falls sometimes yeah.
0: Yeah, it's early days in the season. There's no mention of dynamism and covering ground of Liam Trotter. I presume Lennon just didn't have time. I keep
2: forgetting that we even have Trotter. Just-
0: <laughs> I wish. I I, I tell you, what, I forgot today uh, when I came home from work. I, I had to do some stuff for Football Manager 2016, sending off the uh, the files for for the Bolton players, and I updated every single one diligently until I came to the teas and I came to Trotter, and again, I, shit, I, I totally forgot that we had yeah. Liam Trotter playing for the team. Uh, I understand from what people have said, people have spoken to Lenin. Again, that Lenin, I'd love to meet him out and about because it seems like he just won't stop talking about anything deep and meaningful and something that people <laughs> might might consider keeping fairly secret. Get a scoop. Um, we, had one, we had somebody bumped into him a few weeks ago at a beer festival, um, if, if you'll believe that, where apparently he, he uttered words to the effect that he never rated Liam Trotter <laughs> um, and he would sell him tomorrow if he could find someone to buy him. I don't know whether it's true or not. But see, given away I don't Lenin think being, that
2: is true because it seems like... Lennon rates him he keeps playing him when he's fit when against Derby he came on I don't
0: don't think he's got a choice has he sometimes against Derby
2: he could have brought Velarov Davies on and he chose to bring Trotter on which cost us the game also
1: even if even if even if Lennon did think that he's a professional and he would I don't believe even it would be a festival if he's had a drink or two Mm. I don't think that a football manager uh, particularly, one as professionalism would say anything like that to a member of the public. I, I, I'm not having that.
0: I don't know. I think he, I think he's. He, yeah, I, I can see where you're coming from, but I think he's got a bit of personality about him. learning. Yeah, I, I think that. he's. I, I think he's one of these that can. Uh, it, it can be. It, you don't really know what's going on behind the eyes. In a lot of ways. I wonder what what is there for show and what is there for, for the, what's the reality. I know when he when he signed, got a, a few pieces written by a Celtic fan who said, "Don't believe the snarling, angry man on the touchline." You know, he's a lot more carefully considered. He's an intelligent chap, and I think we've we've seen that side of him as well. So a lot of it, I wonder whether it's you know it's all put on a bit of a show, and a bit of a front with Lennon. Um, but truth, time will tell. Time will tell. Uh, let's move on. Uh, next question. Next statement made. Sorry, there were absolutely no takers for Mido. Um, I, on the agenda tonight, I did write, "Are we surprised?" But I guess we can all sum that up with with, with one fairly long, but fairly short word. Don, when you stand on the Mido situation, his race is run at Wanderers, isn't it? He's not coming yeah. back in the so team.
2: Speaking of forgotten midfielders. Uh... Me though, I don't know. Mm. He started so well for us, and even in the you know, even he made a bit of a renaissance in Friedman's you know, only full season. Remember his goal against Blackburn, the diving header. So, yeah, beautiful. I don't, I don't know what's gone wrong with me I think like a lack of conditioning and a lack of fitness is what's been the main blame for well, why Lennon's not been included him, but I just he's gone. He is, Completely shy I remember Tom Malise saying after he played for the under 21s against Bristol Ro- Bristol City, I think it was, and he gave the ball away, didn't even bother trying to win it back, and they went and scored. So it's just like he just can't be arsed. I, I, do, I, feel, I feel sorry for him a bit because he seems like a decent bloke and whatnot, but it's just, it's just, it's what it is. He's obviously not good enough. We already have too many midfielders. I said we're already forgetting about one of them, so he's never playing for us again. And just hopefully some. Some team with more money than Sense will come and get him off our hands at some point.
0: Yeah, Tom, uh, where where do you stand on Mido? Uh
1: I think he's been badly treated, if I'm if I'm being perfectly honest. I think you've got a football manager there who brought in uh Simon Slavchev and he also brought in Twardic as a midfielder initially. Um and if he, if he or anyone's trying to tell me that those two are going to offer more to our team than Mido Kamara, uh then they need the red in um, he's had a bit of bad form he's been out of the team he's gone out on loan but a little bit like Spearing if there's no takers you bring him back into the the picture maybe not necessarily in a league game but in games for the development squad and he's he's nowhere to be seen um, and he's better than that Yeah, you he, he can't tell me that he's got no role to play whatsoever
2: See, I think Lennon did give him a chance because so, he went to the Austria trip didn't he and I assume he must have got some minutes in the friendlies over there so he must just not have he really mustn't have impressed him or like asserted himself at all, to be honest with you. Which is, I don't know. It's hard to say who's to blame. Looking in, but it does. I agree with you there, but it does seem like he has been a little bit mistreated when you look at some of the signs London's made in that department.
0: You, you know, I think you're both. It's both fair enough in terms of where you're coming from there. But again, I think you've got to you've got to defer to the manager's better judgment on this case. He's the one that sees the guy in training every day and I can appreciate where training might not represent match conditions or anything like that in in any respect really but if he's not putting the grafting on the training ground you know for example I'm not saying that's the issue because I don't know but if he's not putting the grafting on the training ground or his attitude's wrong or he's not fit or he's complaining about niggling injuries you know who knows what the issues are uh, you really can't blame the manager I don't think and then as a knock-on effect, you can't blame the teams for not taking a chance on him because he'll be on a, be on a solid wage because we signed him from a fairly fairly high-profile club for a, for a decent fee by our standards in the last what, five seasons. Um, but yeah, I think if you're looking at something like this, I don't think Lennon is... Back to a point you made, Tom. I don't think Lennon is daft enough to cut his nose off to spite his face. We're not blessed with midfield options. And so if he's going to leave somebody out, I think it's going to be for a reason. I wonder how long We've seen with Trotter like we just said. Uh, well, who knows um but it, it look, yeah, well like you said about about Trotter, you know, he's not the best but he still keeps getting a go. But Mido doesn't keep getting a go, So there, there must be something behind the scenes going on as to why why Lennon doesn't yeah. fancy him and, and why and Lennon won't even give him a, give him a seemingly give him a chance because you know, looking at the likes of Moxie and what have you in the team, he's not averse to giving people second chances and trying to see if they can prove themselves. You know, even looking back to last season uh, and the comments he's made, which we'll come to in a minute about the defence being poor, poor last year, uh, David's still there. You know, he's not averse to giving these people another chance. So I wonder whether that's maybe slightly, slightly harsh. It's um, summer, is out
2: of contract, so that's when he'll, that's when we'll go leave. I imagine. There
0: you go. So it's going to be a, if if we if we were trying to get rid of it, it'd be on a similar similar basis to Rob Hall, where his contract's expired at the end of the season. Uh, we all know it is. And, and any move to let the lad go is really just somebody covering his wages until uh, until that contract expires. But me, though, I, I'd be surprised if we see him in a white shirt again um, f- for whatever reason. It's a shame. I definitely think he started off well. He did but it's it's not worked out as it in the lot in the room. Right, next one. Uh, right, interesting. Uh, this has provoked a bit of response online tonight. Um, Reem didn't believe Reem was physical enough to be a centre half. Uh, again, I think he's been pretty pretty obvious and pretty truthful here, Captain. Obvious. Uh, Dan, come to you first on this one. Uh, I, I know I don't, I don't need to go into too much depth. Um, no. What with the, the the wound still being relatively fresh, uh, but Reem not being physical enough for a centre half. Even the most ardent poetry oh, writing yeah, fan of the Amer- of the American centre half can grumble with that I don't think.
2: Oh no, definitely not. It's- It's clear that he wasn't strong enough to come and pick it. I don't don't believe the myth that he wasn't alright at centre-back because he did did improve a lot towards the end of his Bolton career, but he obviously wasn't physically. He didn't have the strength or the aerial prowess enough to be there. I remember it was the game against Norwich City in the last minute. He missed out on a header to Cameron Jerome, which set up Hooper's goal. And Obviously, not many centre-backs would probably win headers against Cameron Jerome, but because it's remit, Gets a bit more high-profile, doesn't it? I think he's not. He's not. He's, pr- he's stating the obvious a lot there, and I think it's more, more to cover the tracks that we had to sell him, rather than you know what I mean. It's like he, it's obviously true, but I think he's saying that to kind of lessen the wound of him going. If you get me, because yeah,
0: it's a lot to do with that. You know, it's like your, your girlfriend dumped you. Well, I never liked her anyway. She had yeah. a fat ass. That kind of that but, kind of yeah. thing. Into
2: that's what it feels like, especially when you know when the bid first came in from QPR. He made. He went on some. Monumental speech that proper made me excited once. What was it? He's one of our best players. Tim's not for sale all this shite. So yeah, I agree with you there.
0: Tom, Tom, where do you stand on the on on the ream debate? Is there a debate uh, to to argue to argue that he wasn't a very good, a very physically demanding, uh, physically competent centre half? Uh,
1: Not not in the championship. I think it depends on context, doesn't it? I can see why he would have been a centre half uh, in the MLS. Um, because it's a more technical game, it's a pacey game um, up there anyway, um, and it's not—it doesn't seem to be as physical. Uh, and then he's gone to probably the most competitive, most physical league, um, or one of in in Europe. Um, so definitely in this league, uh, he struggled with the with the Daryl Murphys and the Cameron Jerome's, as Dan said. So yeah, I can see where he's coming from there.
0: Yeah, I think that's a, that's a, that's one that we're all going to agree on. It's a shame. Uh... I, I like Ream. I've got no issue with Reem as some do, I haven't, and we've spoken with Reem at length on the pod, so we'll not dwell too much on that one. Uh, right, uh, Medine's penalty or, or so-called penalty uh, against Forest last weekend. Apparently he knew Medin would miss and gave him a rollicking for it back in the dressing room which to me begs the question um, why didn't he run on the pitch himself and take the ball out of Medine's hands if he knew he was going to miss. Um, Tom,
1: on that particular one take it as you, as you will to, to proceed. This is This is when I read it and thought Maybe he's had a couple of beers before the meeting. Um, why? Well, I, I just don't get why he's coming out and saying that. And, and as you said just then, Chris, if you don't want a player taking a penalty uh, when the game's in the balance, you let somebody know. And I don't want. Nobody's going to tell me that Neil Lennon isn't the type to get his message across during the game. I mean, some. I mean, plenty I sit, of
0: opportunity.
1: I sit, I sit in the north lower and, and on, particularly in the, the quieter games when, the, when there's less of a crowd, you can hear Neil Lennon. Never mind see him shouting, you can hear him. So, you know, why is he coming out and saying that? If he knows his centre-forward's going to miss, then you have your designated penalty taker and you say he's having it.
0: Yeah, I remember uh, him saying a few a, a while ago about he like, liked the more technical players to take his penalties because he had more composure. That's why he put Chungi on penalties. Um, and for it to then turn around to, to Medine just seemed totally bizarre to me. And I guarantee, if a pen, penalty crops up again in the next few weeks, there'll be no question about who takes it. Dan, where do you stand on that one?
2: Yeah, it just—I agree. Tommy just kind of shows Lennon up a bit, doesn't it? To like, he's either A, he's either A, he's not got control of his players because Medine's taking it out of his orders, or B, Lennon's not organised enough to name his own penalty taker prior to the game of the season. So it does strike me as a little. A little weird that he'd say something like that when it does kind of show him up, but maybe it's to take the pressure off Medine. somewhere. But I don't know, because then he's seen his bollocked him for it, which, and rightfully so, because even I I fucking could see that Medine was missing every day of the week. Mm-hmm. It was plainstakingly obvious. So, I don't know, it's a really weird one to say something like that, but I don't know, maybe it's. I have no idea. I really don't get where he's coming from that. I can't see any angle at all, even though I'm just you know, trying
0: to. It, it seems like a bit of a cure. It, you, you could almost be forgiven for someone sitting watching these comments coming in from this meeting tonight and thinking they were made up. Yes. Yeah. Because there's a lot of there's a lot of sense being spoken, but there's also a hell of a lot of you know, what? Um, what what you're talking about, Neil. Sort of sort of situation, Tom. Um, This sort of you know in depth comment with the manager, obviously Friedman uh, Coyle had his fans forums that went down really well. I remember coming away from them thinking that God, if this man was a politician, I'd vote for him tomorrow. Uh, Very very erudite, Uh, said the right things to everybody. Um, Do you think they're a good thing, these fans forums? I know they bring people closer to to the team, but do you think we should be close to the team as as fans?
1: Uh, Yeah, I think under the under the management of of Gary Megson and the management of Dougie Friedman. Now, I'm not going to take my personal opinion or fans' opinion uh, of those two managers. But after their tenures, the relationship between club and fans was too distant. There was there was no I mean especially the I mean the the, the atmosphere at the end of the Megson era was, was awful. And that's whether you thought Megson was a decent manager or not. The relationship between club and fans was, was terrible. Um and in a lot of ways for the PR, Coyle's appointment was a good appointment because it like you said, Chris, he, he was a very affable character and he got people on side. Um I do think I do think there is um a forum for things like this. Um particularly with official supporters associations that put a lot of time and, and money and effort into the club. And I think it's a good thing. Not when, you know, your manager's coming out and saying a couple of the things that he said tonight maybe. Um maybe it suits them all uh, diplomatic manager than Neil Lennon, um, should we put it that way? But yeah, there's definitely room for it. Mm.
2: I would say with his uh, questions, with, with Sp- what he said though, it's hard. We don't know the questions exactly, so it's hard to properly. know yeah, the context yeah you're of right them. there. So yeah, you know, it might right make there. sense a bit more if we knew the, you know, the entirety of the question.
0: Yeah, well, there's a, there's a strong caveat that obviously we've not been at this at this meeting tonight ourselves. We're only really going off what somebody else has, has reported back. So we're, we're, we'll, we'll say that if it all turns out to be a load of lies, then we'll just delete the podcast and pretend it never happened. <laughs> um, but moving on to the next one. Uh, right, I, this is one of my favourite ones. He wants us to shoot more from long range. Um, well, given the fact that our strikers couldn't hit a barn door with a banjo, then yeah, I, I'm, I'm well up for this one. Um, back to the Allardyce days, obviously, famously, he would, re- reportedly, he would fine players for shooting from long range because... Statistically, it was so un- unlikely that it would lead to a goal. They considered it to be a waste of possession, but. Um, going forward on this one Dan uh, shooting more from long range in the past we've seen the likes of, uh, of Neil Dans can, can pot him in uh, Josh Vella scored a good goal in pre-season as well um, obviously he's off the pitch for whatever reason at the minute in time Mark Davies maybe less so uh, but the likes of Prattley and Dans have got a, a little bit of a goal scoring pedigree as far as midfielders go uh, I think this is the right message to get across to you?
2: Yeah definitely I don't even think it means you know 30 yard put shots every now and then I think it just means when you're in I think Mark Davies is who he's aiming this at primarily because so many, and against Blackburn especially, he had so many moments when he was driving at goal like he's famed for doing. And instead of shooting, he's looking for that final pass. And I think if Matt is yeah, he's one of the main culprits for this Davis. Even though I really do like him, if he just took a shot more often, he'd get close to 10 a season if not more. So I think it is a good message to be getting across. And I think with the likes of Silver in the team now, who will be driving inside, Davis, Clough, I think if they're shooting more. I think you know the more shots, the more goals you get. No matter what statistic Allardyce came up with, you don't you, know, you don't shoot, you don't score if you don't shoot, do. You?
0: No, as my old grandad used to say. Uh, Tom, where do you stand on that matter? Do you think it's a percentage game? The, the more you shoot, the more you score, or do you think you've got to be a little bit more considered in your in your shots and obviously take them as they come?
1: Uh, I'm just trying to put myself in the in the mindset of Mark Davis when he's driving forward in midfield on on Saturday, and he looks up after taking a touch and he sees he can either shoot or pass to Gary Medine. And uh, I think I know what he'll be doing. Hopefully. <laughs> um, well, Matt
0: Davies. I, I bet Matt Davies hasn't scored ten goals for us in all the time he's been here. At least, not not that I can rec I can recall. No, yeah, so I think always, we all know what his first always, choice
1: options going to be. There. He's always looked like a ten goal a season midfielder, mm. but I don't I don't think I'd be surprised if he's delivered ten goals. Probably, probably due to injury more than anything.
2: Matt Davies' is best in a farm and Gosgrove Farm was in the the nearly playoff season. And he's, right. he scored against Huddersfield and he scored in a game before that as well and he was playing really well at the tip of the diamond, like the player we all knew he would be, and then he got injured against Peterborough and that was him done for the season again and it was just, you know, so heartbreaking. But he has he scored fourteen for us in hundred and forty seven games, so yeah. He needs to be contributing Don't more agree. from that area. I think that's you know, I think we'd be saying that every summer with there this he needs to be scoring more. But you know, you know, he's been with us. But then the- again
0: if you break that down that's that yeah, if if you break that down, that's a goal every ten games, which is for a midfielder is pretty average yes. uh, for for a player of his quality. But also, what one hundred and forty-seven by five, so it's best part of what twenty-seven, twenty-eight games a season he's only playing. It's yeah. not a lot, is it? It's probably say. it's probably ju- just slightly over half our games of every season he's available for. He's, it's a really really poor average he's for someone who's been he's around since for that long. Per,
2: nine, and he's only played one hundred forty-seven games. Isn't that just really depressing?
0: It is what 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 might have been eh? what might have been. I still think we uh, we were right to hold on to him when the interest was there, but obviously in hindsight, it, it would have been uh, it would have maybe been more prudent to to let him go. Um, but we'll see. Uh, right, next one, uh, lenin This is not quite not not as surprising or not quite as surprising, I should say, getting my words in the right order. Uh, Lennon hasn't heard from Stu Holden since Christmas. Uh, well, he's been getting married and knocking up his supermodel wife. So, so I mean, why would he contact Neil Lennon? Um, Stu Alden's a topic of debate and he's he's been, been one on the podcast a few a few times. Uh, it's a it's a romantic's hope, isn't it, really, that we'll ever see him again, Dan?
2: Yeah, yeah. I think no, he's got his nice job commentating on uh you know, American soccer, ESPN and that type of stuff. He's got good training courses in Florida and in America, sorry, that he's doing with former teammates of his. He's married, he's obviously he's expecting a baby now. i there is a really from his point of view there's really no point in risking another injury that'll just wipe him out again and probably you know, at this stage just render his knees just fucking wrecked. Even though I'd love it, I'd love it more than pretty much anything I can think of, apart from Adagod Johnson coming back. But anything else, I'd just I'd love him just to see him in the white shirt again, but from his point of view it's it's not worth it now. It's just not. When he's set and he's just you know what I mean? It's just not worth it in the slightest. But you know, good luck to him in whatever's to come for him because he's a great lad and still one of my favourite players I've ever seen in a white shirt.
1: Fair dues. Tom, any advances on that one? No, I, I, it's just one of those, isn't it? You know, it's a shame, but we need to we need to let go now, don't we? And uh, give up, give up that dream because uh, I don't think he'll be coming back as a footballer for any club.
0: No, well, actually, he's got too much to lose now, hasn't he? Obviously, with his life over there in the States, he's, built, he's got his business, he's got his family to, uh, to develop as well. He don't want to be... Well, what, I read an article, an interview with John Terry once, um, when he was saying about wanting to, to knock football on the head early so that he could spend time with his kids when they were, when they were younger, not, be, not being in a wheelchair, which was the way he was supposed to go. The fact that he's you know, dicing knees, supposedly. But hmm, kids growing up seeing you being a racist might be a bit different. Um, right, the final one um, was that he believes that if we sign a striker, we'll hit the playoffs. Uh, tall talk fine talk I, I did re-listen again recently to the uh, Mark Isles pod that we had uh, where we all gave our season predictions and we did all have high hopes didn't we after the relatively positive pre-season that we enjoyed um, Tom I'll come to you first on that one if we sign a striker we'll get to the playoffs uh, discuss
1: and if I buy a new pair of football boots this season I'm going to score 40 goals in Sunday league football <laughs> um, nons- nonsense 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 um, nonsense we're nowhere near. Um, I mean, he's he's probably trying to be nice and positive for the forum, and God knows the place needs a bit of it. But um, no, if we sign a striker, we will finish twelfth. Oh, fair news Daniel.
2: Uh, playoffs is probably pushing it a bit, especially with you know teams like Birmingham, Charlton, Brighton. No, I did not expect them to be good. Sheffield Wednesday, teams like that who were pretty middling to crap last year, no pushing on really well and challenging and being up there, along with the teams like Wolves, Derby, uh, Middlesbrough, who have all spent big money. Then, of course, the relegated teams as well. It's hard to say that we'll be able to compete for the playoffs, especially without such a limited budget, especially when the you know, the calibre striker we're going to sign, if we sign any, is not going to be at the level needed. No, I think we could finish close to the playoffs. I think we could push for them. I think we could get you know twelfth to tenth eighth maybe if we do get a decent enough striker, but because everything else is there, we've got a good midfield, good defence now, solid defence, a bit light out wide, and obviously no strikers. But nah, we won't, we won't get
0: players. You know what, lads? I'm I'm going to surprise you all by disagreeing. I think with Lenny Lenny in charge, I think we've got a sound manager. We've got a top top goalkeeper, probably one of the top three or four goalkeepers in the league. I would suggest. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And I think we've also got a a rock-solid midfield. Um, Our defence is starting to perform as well. Um, We're just missing one element. That's all we are. We need a bit of positivity. We're just missing one element. And granted, it's the most important element in the entirety of football. And strikers do not grow on trees. Um, But I think we've got the personnel. We've got the manager. We've got the whole set up behind us. Just um, just to, just, to uh, just finish off, we've got everything in place to have a really good season. I think we just need that little lift, Um hopefully that will come when the loan window opens, and we can we can surprise and we can sign somebody perhaps that nobody expected, somebody to take us on. Uh, and I think that that's definitely possible. I think that's definitely on the cards. If it was Lafondre, and um, I, I just think we need, we need I'd to believe. You.
2: If it was Lafondre, I'd agree with you. He's not. He's that's not the, the
0: only. Like He's not the only striker in the world, Dan. Yeah, but Come we on, can't my friend. not
2: anything else. He said, didn't he say in the thingy that we can't compete for Hooper? That's the caliber of striker we needed. We're going to be competing and just... Gary,
0: Gary, Gary Hooper went for seven million quid, he's on thirty thousand pound a week. Exactly. You know, that's like saying that's like saying we can't compete for Lionel Messi. You know, we, you you've got to cut your cloth accordingly. You don't have to be signing players from the Premier you League can. to sign a decent player.
2: Can you think of anyone off top of your head?
0: Well, on a I'm, I'm not a football manager. Am I? I'm not, you know, it's not my not my place to say. It. I, I agree with Lennon. What I'm saying is that I totally agree with Lennon's sentiment. I think that if we do sign somebody like that, then I think we can definitely yeah,
1: definitely strive for the playoffs. On a slightly unrelated note, go on uh, from from both of you, who was the best striker in the championship last season? probably down Murphy. I don't watch Championship
0: foot. Yeah, I don't really watch Championship football apart from what? Wanderers. i I I, I think you've got. To, if looking at the goals, you, the goals scored, you've got to say a who came from what MK Dons yeah. in in League Two or League One, whatever it was. Uh, that Dicko chap from Wolves who came yeah. from Wigan from Wigan, I think. Um, so Bamford. maybe not Bamford, who was on loan from Chelsea. Granted, and maybe there's there's options there in the low in the lower leagues Drake that we've Bray not considered. Well. Tom, yeah, I, well.
1: I'm, I'm just I'm just thinking about the top strikers from from uh, last season, uh, and I came up with some with some similar names to you came up with and and it's the players around them for me that that are providing a lot of opportunities for example I'll just take Callum Wilson as a one-off because I don't want to go on and on about it Callum Wilson had uh, Richie on one wing and Mark Pugh on the other making things happen whereas if we were to sign whichever striker in this league you want he's got Liam Feeney on the right wing it's it's not just bringing in a number nine and there you go, there's the playoffs, there's promotion. It, it, there's got to be a unit around him. I mean, he'd have Zach Clough, um, but it's not as if we've got you know healthy competition on the wings.
0: You're right, and, and I think there's, there's definitely something to be said from that. But let's not forget, LaFondra had uh, Feeney last season. LaFondra didn't play with Chungie. LaFondra didn't play with you know Chris Eagles in his finest form. Uh, He he played with with a pretty poor Bolton Wanderers team. This is a slightly new Bolton team now that we've got this season with the players we've brought in. So whilst it's definitely true that the the unit combines to make the individual uh, look better, uh, we've still got a decent unit, I think, this season in in, in total. And I think we could be more than some of our parts with a a decent striker in there. But my last point on that one uh, is that a lot of the best strikers in the league didn't play in the league or, or it was the first season in the league, you know, so... There's no reason to, to restrict ourselves to being concerned that we're not signing people from the top divisions, Dan. Um, just to address your point about Lafondre, for example, I know he didn't come from the top league, but that, that sort of proven proven player, I mean, Nua Dico, Benicafobi, granted they went for reasonable money, but they hadn't really scored goals at too high a level previously to that. I mean, bloody hell, yeah. that, French lad United, that French lad United signed last week, he's only scored, what, 10 goals in his whole career, and they're spending what's the 40 million quid on the fella. Um, I just think sometimes you've got to take a bit of a punt on someone. Uh, Anthony Stokes might have been that man, uh but obviously they changed they changed their mind at Celtic at the last minute when we were looking like we might have been getting him out getting him on loan um but yeah, like well, football's funny, isn't it? people can have a bad season one year and then they can move clubs to somebody else, and all of a sudden they look like someone totally different, so there's nothing to, there's no reason to really write our season off, I don't think just because you haven't got a strike at this minute, um but let's just wait and see who. Who Lenny gets and uh, and who we can take it in from there. Um, but I think it's been a really interesting debate. Um I think these BWSC meetings uh, do bring out some interesting comments. Um hopefully it's been interesting, interesting to listen to as well. I know it's been interesting to discuss with you boys. Uh, we'll have a short little break just because we've been I feel like have been talking on stop now, about forty minutes on that. Um, and we'll come back and we'll let uh, we'll just dwell for a slight while on uh, our favorite number fourteen,
2: Gary Medine.
0: Who uh, his name isn't Gary Medine? Gary Medine? Yeah, yeah, yeah thanks for breaking my breaking my punchline there Dan just before I was about to hit peak, punch, <laughs> peak punchline and, uh, <laughs> and we'll talk about Kevin Cyril Davies uh superhero super striker super Kevin Davies so stay where you are we'll be back momentarily for segment 4 uh, SKD memories stay where you are right welcome back uh, we were going to talk briefly about Super Kevin Davies, and we certainly will in a moment or two. But there's something I just wanted to just bring up, um, We appreciate, as ever, all feedback from our fans. Uh, I say fans in the lightest possible sense. We know we're not famous or anything like that. I mean, listeners, uh, readers, or oh, whatever you are, whatever you may be. One uh, very kind soul, uh, and I'm sorry I don't remember your name, and I'll, I'll check it out. See if I can find it in the coming days. Uh, did have a little bit of constructive criticism that he wanted to put across, and uh, I want to address that first to to one Daniel Cedric Murphy. Daniel, um you've been accused by a member of the public of having a potty mouth, and uh, I just wanted to know your 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 response to this. Uh, please try and uh, keep it without swearing. Do me? not say fuck our bugger. Uh, Dan, you, you've been accused of having a potty mouth. I want to know, you plead guilty or not guilty?
2: Before me? Ne- never. I don't know. I think he's mistaken me for Liam or something. Like that. But never me. I just think I was going to... When I originally told you to bring this up on the podcast, I was going to outwardly say... A swear word, like a complete rebel. But consider, since you've worded it as it was constructive criticism and nicely put, I'm not going to be that much of a bad person. See, I would have said a naughty word there usually, but I'm, I'm curving it. But what I would say, um, the complaint was we could get, we could put off potential advertisers. And I would say, we've had emails before asking if we want to advertise, haven't we, Chris? We yeah. have. Regardless, yep. Yeah. And second of all, I don't think we have a big enough listenership anyway to get anywhere realistically in that domain so i will do and say whatever i like because it's my podcast our podcast and fuck it really
0: <laughs> well what we'll say is again appreciate our my apologies or feedback uh, we do understand we do understand yeah that there's uh there's, there's, there's kids who listen to it there's, there's all this kind of thing but uh yeah i think i do believe if i'm not mistaken it is marked as an explicit podcast on, on itunes um Take explicit for being whatever you think it is, um, but yeah, Dan, just just behave yourself. Yeah, I do behave try. Yourself. It's
2: only natural. I'm a sweary person. I don't I, I don't do it on purpose. I just it just comes out. I'm, I'm
0: Absolutely. Well, we're all we're all human. We're all human beings. Uh, you know, if, if you want to, if think a swear word embellishes the conversation. You know, I'm all for it. You know, we're all adults at the end of the day. But let's uh, let's put that one behind. We'll we'll say thank you to that individual, whoever you are, um, and we'll we'll see where we go from there next week with Daniel Murphy and the line again a swear jar that we're going to implement. <laughs> every time every time a naughty word gets said, Dan has to do a forfeit, and we'll we'll work those out as well in the coming days. Right on to the segment 14, which we're going to call we're going to honour in the very memory not that he's dead of Super Kevin Davies uh, his retirement hit me like a brick Wells on a holiday I was very upset to hear it obviously one of my favourite Wanderers players and the favourite of a good many as well given the response you've had from the readership and the listenership uh, Davies of course uh, a veteran of over 400 appearances for Wanderers many of whom uh, many were taken as captain scored 88 goals uh, I believe it was 88 goals for the club I could be mistaken I read something the other day about that, not to mention uh, also playing for Chesterfield, Southampton, Blackburn Southampton, Millwall and latterly at Preston North End, also made appearances for England, under 18s under 21s and memorably one cap uh, for the first, uh, first full England team back in 2010, uh, retiring at 38 years old, he sadly missed uh, in, as far as professional football go, he's been a mainstay of my uh, you know, consciousness I guess is the right word to say in terms of football over the years, uh, I'll certainly miss him and I wish him all the best for the future and so I'd be interested to know uh, lads, uh, what Kevin Davies means to you obviously he he means a hell of a lot to me and I'll tell you all about that in a minute or so but Tom would you mind going first on this particular one Uh, Kevin Davies what does he mean to you Uh, take as much time as you need
1: yeah I'm going to try not to go on too much Um, but for me he's he's a once in a generation player Um, and I I don't mean in terms necessarily of his ability Uh, he didn't have a left foot Um, he was quick over 20 yards but anything beyond that uh, he struggled for pace his passing ability wasn't always the best. He had so many good aspects to his game as well. But the reason why I'm pointing out the negatives is, be- despite all that, for me, he's, he's up there with John McGinley. For me, he's just he's just one of a kind. The the things that he went through on the pitch for us, dislocating his fingers, was it West Ham at home, pain killing injections away at Arsenal. It feels like he he epitomised. Um, or he, he personified our, our journeys to football club because he wasn't the best, he wasn't the most fashionable, and he was there for the rise um, and poetically as well. He was there. He was there when we fell. He was just. He was just one of a kind. Um, a real old-fashioned centre forward. Um, a lovely man to boot as well. If you think about the things that he's done for the town, I don't think we'll have another striker like that. I think with with modern football being the way it is. I don't think there's much room for, for a Kevin Davies character, which is which is a shame. When he got his England debut, I was like a, like a proud dad. Um, I was at uni and I was sat in the front room. Um, and the, the lads that I lived with were Liverpool fans, United fans. One was a Blackburn fan. And when he was coming on uh, off the bench, I was stood up in the living room. I was like, everybody shut up and applauded him onto the pitch and made a, a, a right clown in front of about six or seven people in the living room, applauded him onto the pitch. I just, I don't know, it, it, it's a strange one. It, his connection with Bolton Wanderers is, is a strange one, but he's, he's, a funny, he's a funny player. I think it's, like I said, not necessarily his ability, but everything he gave for us. I don't think there'll be a Bolton Wanderers fan that has a bad word to say about him.
0: Definitely. Dan, again, the floor is yours.
2: It's quite quite hard to follow that when everything you know is just so eloquently set up. But I think I wrote an article upon the news of it breaking because it, it, whilst it seemed unexpected since no one seemed to come in for him after leaving Preston, it still just seemingly came out of nowhere really. But I think, I think I wrote something in this article, I think I said he didn't just play for Bolton Wanderers he was Bolton Wanderers he was, he completely embodied he completely personified as Tom said he was the the complete spirit of Bull Wonders he was what Bull was about it was started by Sam Allardyce that hard fighting well from my point of view everywhere I'm not you know I'm young I don't I don't know past that but it was started by Allardyce the hard you know not being good but fighting everyone M- make sure no team likes playing against you You know, not being the best but doing the best you can and you know Getting to Europe, and whilst when Allardyce left, that spirit was lived on through Davis. And you know, no matter what manager came after that, Coyle, Friedman, Megson, that and no matter what football they tried to play, or lack of football, Davis was the man who was still keeping that fight and that spirit alive somewhat. I think, just for me, he's because obviously I missed so many of the legends that people hark back to. With you know the likes of Okocha and Jockey Ev and people like that, but from my understanding, those players, whilst amazing in their time, were their time was fleeting and short-lived. I think Davis to be such a mainstay for us and you know be there for me, be there for so many other people, you know, so many other young fans. whilst they were growing up watching football, I think his you know his legend will live on, just like Nat Loftus has, and just like John McGinley's has. And when m- me and other you know others my age are taking their kids to watch Bolton, the We'll be telling stories of Davis, just like you know our fathers told us stories about Loftus.
0: Definitely, I think you both you both summed the man up really well. And, and from a personal point of view, and um, it, it's always been you know it, John McGinley's a really good comparison. John McGinley was my first ever hero, and um, as I started going to watch Bolton when I was sort of eight, nine, ten, eleven, something like that in the early, the, the sort of early to mid nineties, McGinley and Andy Walker were there. But McGinley, there's always something about McGinley. Um, you know the way that he would amble out after the players had done the pre-season uh, the 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 run up uh, the running warm up I should say before the game you know the, yeah the, he looked he didn't look like a footballer he looked like a scruffy fellow they just found on the street but he was a, he was a top player the top guy and i think kevin davies has got that kind of everyman quality you know he often seemed uh, and i mean this with the greatest respect he often seemed like he was playing out of his depth a little bit you know that he was relying on his physicality which i think we could all, all accept uh, but at the same time, he, he was making the most of his abilities, making the most of his talents. He, would, he was a hard worker. There was absolutely never any doubt that you'd get anything less than 100% from the man every single week. Um, and going forward, I think that helped him and it helped us. Um, and that's why he became so beloved. I remember his debut for the club. The first time I saw him, I should say, uh, in his home debut, which I think we agreed today in a conversation was Wolves Wanderers at home. Um, Blackburn. No, uh, no, 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 no. It, it was Wolves, I'm sure it right. was Wolves.
2: Blackburn game was August 23rd. The Wolves game was September 27th.
0: I had to look this up. Right. Right. Well, I don't care. Yeah, I'm, talking, I'm, I'm talking about the Wolves game in general. The Wolves game, what I remember him doing is, I remember we'd signed Kevin Davis, and obviously I was mad about football back then, probably more mad than I am about football now. I knew what Kevin Davis was. I knew what he'd done for Southampton. I knew what he'd done for, for Blackburn there, to a lesser extent. And it was the first time I maybe experienced the, 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 what, the hell is, what the hell is that kind of signing, which obviously for Bolton ones will come to be quite quite common over the years. But what the hell are we signing Kevin Davies for? You know, he's like that fellow that used to play for Southampton that was half decent a couple of years ago. And the very first game he played, there was a, a long, elevated pass, we'll call it, up from the defence. And Davies absolutely battered, absolutely battered the defender. And I thought, oh, this is fantastic. And from then, I've never felt that sort of connection with a player since. And Davies just epitomised everything that, that I wanted Bolton to be. I wanted us to be hardworking. I wanted us to be the underdog. I mean, let's not kid ourselves that we don't support Bolton. Because they're the underdog, and because every now and then we give the big boys a bloody nose, and Davies epitomised that in more ways than one. He was there throughout, giving us, you know, the, the hope that our little club could be more. Because he'd made more of himself as well. At the same time, um, he wasn't. I don't think he was a cheat. I don't think he was nasty. I just think he was a he was a, a tough, old fashioned player making the best of his talents, and he knew. That making the best of his talents meant roughing up the, the, the pretty boys, roughing up the nancy boys, you know, giving Arsenal a kick up the arse, giving Liverpool players a, a, a smack in the face, you know, all all within the laws of the game to the most part, and it, it just became it, it's synonymous with the way that we were, you know, we were upstarts, we didn't really belong, um, but we were there and we were making the most of what we could do while we could do it, and, and I totally agree with you, Dan, about it being romantic that he was there at the end because he was there more, you know, more or less at the start of all the glory as well um, and I just really, really, really wish we could turn back time and, and the whole parting of ways could have been done properly um, seeing him walk around the pitch in tears that final time was heartbreaking From, for, for more reasons than one I mean primarily the way that Friedman dealt with him uh, and, and nobody really knows the truth of what went on, obviously Friedman hinted uh, after the fact about internal divisions players playing, uh, what's the word playing uh, political games within the dressing room as well um, and whether Freeman, uh, shit, what's his name, Kevin Davies, was part of that, or whether he wasn't part of that, you know, we don't know. We're not we're football fans who don't really go in for all that, that kind of thing. Um, but it would have been would have been nice to see a proper farewell to a, a real club legend. And I don't I don't say that lightly. There's not many legends in modern football. Uh, every, everyone's affections are too fleeting. You know, players don't stay in one place for five minutes generally now. But to get to the, the level that he got to with us, uh, and to remain loyal in the face of, of potential moves away, obviously Sunderland, Hull. Uh, all mooted over the years as well um, and, and to score the different types of goals he scored as well you know he's never never going to be the 25 goal a season man but the year that he played for England you know he could have played for England more than just the ones that he was sure. given the chance for he really really should have done he, he, he did right and um, you know scoring the goal in Munich scoring the goals that he scored against uh, the goal he scored against United I always remember that one where he knocked he, he Megrio Ferdinand and he sent Van der Sar the wrong way it was it was a finish worthy of any striker in the whole world it was absolutely sensational and I don't know if you remember, in I think it might have been 2010, something like that. He, he took a penalty. Yeah. He took a penalty, scored, and it was the best penalty I'd seen for Donkey's years. And he had this in his locker all these, all this time, completely unhidden, uh, completely hidden away. Is that and Birmingham? He just, I think
2: at home, let's 2, two too, When we. Birmingham, Birmingham Wiggins.
0: yeah, we. we, we yeah, someone like that. Them. I remember it being he scored a penalty against Wigan once as well. Yeah. And you're just thinking, like, you know, th- th- this fella. I know where you're coming from, Tommy, saying that you know he wasn't, he didn't have any pace, he had no left foot, that kind of thing. Um a lot of times, I think he made the best of his abilities. But I also think he was a damn much better footballer, and perhaps we we in history will, will judge him yeah. as. Um, and I know you don't mean it in a in a, in a nasty side sort of disrespectful tone. At the same time, no, not at all. Ke-
1: just 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 to point out that the reason why he's such a, as you said, and you rightly use the word legend. The reason why he's a legend isn't so much uh, his ability as a footballer, uh, but maybe the, the the way in which he approached the game and, and the spirit that he had.
0: Definitely, I totally agree. It summed us up as a club, and it summed him up as a man. And, and I think his, his his personal values, his personal attributes, mir- mirrored our own, and that's why it was such such a good fit. And, and I'm so pleased that we that we got to see him, and we'll certainly never forget his contribution to the club. Um, even if the club towards the end perhaps didn't appreciate that, and um, obviously there was a part in the ways.
2: When it finally happens, because it should do, no, now he's retired. It's going to be the greatest celebration of Bolton Wanderers in recent times. That is, I, that is a date I cannot, really cannot wait for because it's just going to be amazing, isn't it? It's going to be the dependent as long as we don't get relegated this season. It's going to be like the, just the biggest party in celebration of everything Bolton Wanderers did for the past fifteen years or so, and you know Definitely. We, should, we should celebrate it because. It was fucking good.
0: There's been a lot of, obviously towards the end of, the, of his time at the club, there's a lot of sniping here, here, there and everywhere, you know, obviously with social media, with his, his family and that kind of thing, which I don't really want to talk about too much. I think we need to concentrate on on the, the player uh, and, and the man that we all knew him as uh, and obviously he'll carry on to be into retirement. Um, a, a really, really top guy. Like, like Tom said, obviously, I met him once or twice. Always had the, just any amount of time, to talk to you. Even when you know, we went to the play of the season. due the night we got relegated from Stoke, and he had a face on him, you know, because obviously he, he loved Bolton Wanderers as well, and he was hurting just as much as we were. But he still had time to pose for photos with fans. You know, he talk to us, he'd have a chat. Obviously, not going to be in the greatest mood because the club he loved had been relegated. But you know, he, he would never let that get in the way of doing his duty as a, as a club captain. And also, I think he did right Tom, with, with what, he's, what he's done for the town as well. Obviously, set up his charity. He, he's, he's done untold untold works with people at the Lads Club and so on as well uh, pushing things forward with them uh, and I just think his legacy is going to live on it's definitely going to be something that's going to be uh, assisting Bolton not necessarily Bolton Wanderers but Bolton in, uh, as well uh, as time passes and I think we'll we'll definitely definitely not be forgetting him anytime soon uh, we just hope maybe one day he'll, he'll work his way back to the Reebok in some capacity I'd love to see him be part of the club I think he's you know he's a clever fellow he's got a lot to offer um, and we could certainly do with some help so yeah Kevin Davies we love you to bits mate and open open invitation whenever you want to, to come on the pod and uh, uh, not being too indiscreet. We've had tentative discussions about him coming on. Um, it's obviously he's had other things on his mind lately, so we'll, we'll, I'm not going to harass you with any more emails this week about that, Kevin. But if you're listening, uh, thanks for everything, mate. It's been an absolute pleasure and a privilege to have you at the club and, and I'm sure you feel the same about playing for our wonderful side. Uh, so any more to add there, gentlemen, before we move on and talk about the, the Twitter question of the week?
2: Yeah, I think I think we just go straight on to the memories and I'm sure we've got our own specific ones to add at the end of one at uh, the end of them.
0: Definitely. If you can maybe think while I'm talking you about uh, maybe your top three Kevin Davies moments, is that is that too many to for you to just do yeah. No that's... obviously I've got a lot of a lot of a lot of, a lot of yeah, I've got a lot of uh, of Twitter responses to go through here. Uh, so yeah, top we'll, three. Top three's is good. Great. Right. Well, I'll come back to you then in a couple of minutes and we'll go through that. Right. Uh, Ian Firth, Super White Smurf on Twitter, coming on to a standing ovation for his first England cap at Wembley. Incredibly proud moment for all at BWFC. BKD is my hero. The Birmingham quarter final sticks out for me. Such a leader at that point in his career. What a day. Uh, Michael Doran, at uh, snapping Patrice Everett. What a beautiful moment that was. Uh, Craig Monks uh, at Loughborough Craig. Too many to mention. For some reason, I remember him dislocating his finger. Oh, and the nutmeg on Rio. Yeah, I think we've mentioned that tonight, aren't we? Fantastic. Uh, Owen Barrington his penalty uh, stroke knockdown for Chungi's goal at Birmingham in the quarter final of the FA Cup an absolutely sensational uh, day out for all another mention for Birmingham there from uh, BWFC Dom 83 who's also uh, added any of his bookings and Wolves away circa 2003 the last minute goal uh, that was in my top three actually that one Dom so you stole my thunder a little bit there and you're going to have to make me think of another one uh, Mark Yesolevsky, friend of the site the dislocated finger against West Ham showed his fighting spirit and character he scored the only goal that day too Marcus Murray His first appearance for England and also getting booked on the same night. I was so proud. Uh, James Trudell has to be his goal against Bayern Munich. Drawing with one of the biggest teams in Europe. A great day for the club. Gaslow. His two-headed goals away at Everton when we won 4-0. The Scousers poured out of the exits in the rain. It was magic. I remember that because at the time I was going out with a girl whose dad supported Everton. and I didn't like her dad, so we made the most of that particular one. Uh, Chris (laughs) Branwood. Making Matthew Upson look like a mug every time he played against him. Absolutely superb. Alex Fairclough, fairclough twenty-two. When Superkev had a tiff with Pogatets on Middlesbrough and busted his face open. <laughs> so Alex, obviously, uh, <laughs> more of a fighter than a lover. But I think that's that's certainly a memory that we all we all hold dear. Um, Alex, I'm sorry, Alex, that same one. BWC news and views, so views and news. Sorry, our friend from earlier on tonight. Definitely the Munich nights. Although hearing every cry and state that David said, "I just don't like you." That's an absolutely wonderful, wonderful uh, footballing quote from history. I'll just scan scan too far one moment, sorry. Matthew Maliozzi. I'm going to uh, assume that's the pronunciation name because I watched The Godfather the other night and he said they didn't pronounce the G's in the name, if that's wrong. Uh, Not a specific memory, but every time a big four manager whined like a baby about his style of play, that made me proud. Me too. Uh, Chris Merrill, C. Merrill's BWFC. Loads of more obvious ones, but his debut, signed with little fanfare, but soon won us round with his style of play. And then uh, an excellent one here, Nick Wollstoneholm. Yeah, this is actually. Uh, I recommend you all seek this out on Twitter. Nick, to uh, contribute to the site, his uh, Twitter handle is Walsy28. He posted a picture of the two, of Kevin Davies and his daughter, uh, Nick's daughter. It looks like in the throat in the vegetable aisle at Tesco. Uh, he <laughs> elbowed my daughter in the throat and then appealed to the ref for a free kick afterwards. I just thought that that was really really funny. Uh, lovely picture on there it was a very really cute kid and an SKD looking like he's having a great time. So yeah, some very varied, different and, uh, and entertaining memories. Nothing negative as well, which when you played for a club for that long, to have people uni- universally lording your time at the club, I think that's pretty rare in modern football. Um, Dan, I'm going to put you on the spot and come to you first for your your, your top three personal Kevin-, Kevin Davies moments.
2: Yeah, I think it's hard to look past the obvious ones with Munich, which is the greatest night in the club's recent history, and the Birmingham final because... I was watching the highlights of both today. What's doing me top ten moments of his speed career, and man, I was getting weary eyed just watching him. I think, the, mm-hmm. oh, it was so. I mean, when he when he netted that penalty against Birmingham, the passion on his face—it nearly made me cry. Cause like he was just such a passionate man. So I'm going to have like those two as my third one because, I, 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 my memory doesn't span back to like the early days of his career. So I can't remember you know all of them. But. I feel guilty for not remembering more of his goals, apart from the iconic ones. One's just sprung to mind in a one 0 win against Liverpool in their Champions League-winning season. That one's just sprung to my mind. So there's that, but I can't really remember many more of his goals. I think I didn't. Include, there is one. I didn't really include it in my article, but he's. And I think Tom mentioned it briefly at the end that he was there for the end and he scored our last ever goal in the Premier League. And with the way the things, with the way things are going at the minute, it doesn't look like that'll change anytime soon. So I think that is quite romantic that he, it was him in the most unlikely of fashions as well. It was like a cross come shot and none of the fans actually knew if it went in and yeah. the celebration was like really stunted. It was quite funny. Um, and then my second one isn't exactly a footballing moment, but it's one quite similar to what you said before. I think it was one of the junior whites end of season parties or something. And me and my dad had just walked into the, like the lobby of the premier suite and Davis we were just sat there on the, uh, on one of the uh, desks and my dad just started talking to him as if he were just a normal bloke and that just, I think, that and along with the picture we mentioned of, uh, you know, of uh, Davis and Nick Wilson, Holmes' daughter, I think that just sums up Davis really well. He's just a, a nice man. You can't really put it better than that. But then, my favourite moment, I think you may have expected this, I personally didn't include anyone who put it as their highlight so I could have it. The single <laughs> greatest moment in in football history is when he absolutely Clattered Alexander Kalinov when the game was thirty seconds old. Mm-hmm. It's my favorite thing ever. I just whenever I'm a bit sad, I get that vine up and just watch it repeatedly. because it's just so good. I think it just fucking summed him up, summed him up so well I mean, he just got straight back up and didn't act as if he'd done anything differently when he just done a massive tackle ten seconds into a match. I think, yeah, and obviously turning out for England as well was such a proud moment. He just, just what a fucking legend, man. And I think Tom sunned it all well. We we won't see his like ever again. No, I think you're
0: dead within my thunder on that particular one, uh, Tom. Uh, please j- feel free just to, to to carry on, but your top three moments, if you can limit it to three, I, I'd be grateful. I know we could talk all night about Davies, but uh, yeah. as best you can, will be gratefully appreciated.
1: Yeah, it's, it's it's really difficult to come down to three. There's just there's there's so many when you think about it. Um, so third, I'm going to have um, when he came on for England and just seeing him. Even though he was wearing 18 rather than 14, which will forever is. annoy me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it's just him coming on in an England shirt. I mean, I know he should have had more, but um, yeah, it was, like I said before, I was like a, a proud dad watching him play for England. Uh, number two. Uh, oh, it's hard. Right. Number two. I'm going to go Birmingham. Um, n- the penalty, yeah but more so the the knockdown for Chungi, because that ball from Paul Robinson hung in the air for what felt like an age, and he, he just got up, knocked it down perfectly for Chungi, and you knew exactly where it was going. As soon as that ball bounced into Chungi's path, you knew what was going to happen, and you knew we were going to Wembley. Um, and then number one, um, and it's going to be forever my I was there moment, one night in Munich, not... Not just the goal, but you know, similar to he did it with Kolarov, and he used to love doing it from kick off. And um, when the ball came back to Marcel Janssen, um, and he came in, slid in. I think he, we we actually won the throwing, um, and we ended up winning a corner. And in the first thirty seconds of the game, rather than you know kicking off and letting the buying back fall, pass the ball around between the defenders, he got at them, won the throwing, and we got a corner. And then again, just that that goal. Um, and when he wheeled away, there is nobody I would have wanted to score that goal more than him. Because to me, that's the—I mean—that's the greatest moment of our club's history for me. Um, in in my in my lifetime, sorry, um, and there's no one else I'd, I'd rather have stuck the ball in the back of the net than him.
2: I'm just thinking now. Imagine that moment, but Danny Guthrie scored it.
1: Exactly. <laughs> oh, Gavin exactly. McCallum. Yeah,
2: you know, I, I looked through. I watched.
0: I still watch at the time. And you think about the team that we put out that night. How did we not lose that game? About
1: twenty five.
2: I got it up today and It's an absolute fucking state. I, I don't know if we've got enough time, but do you want me
0: to? Honestly, get
1: it up? Sid Michalik. Please, no. Feel uh, feel right, McCann, feel free. Buffer, yeah, I got it up.
0: just that. That was the that was the first time we'd ever seen Ali Habsi play for the. It was. He'd yeah. been there for about ten years as well. Never mind. Never yeah. mind anybody else. This
2: is it. Right. Um, this is the team we're facing. Oliver Kahn, Marcel Janssen, Lucio, Daniel Van Buyten, a guy called Lell, Ribery, Ottel, Van Bommel, Schweinsteiger, Podolski and closer. The substitutes Brian brought on was Tony Cruz, Altintop Top and Luca Tony. Uh, and this was the Bolton team. Ali Labsey Andy O'Brien at right back. Gerald no, Sid. No, he played
1: midfield. Did he? G- Gavin McCann played right back.
2: The hell, I don't remember this, but well, this is how BBC have it out. But anyway, Andy O'Brien. Gerald Sid, Lubomir Mikulik, Ricardo Gardner, Mikel Alonso, Kevin Nolan, Danny Guffrey, Gavin McCann, Daniel Bratton, and Kevin Davis. And the subs we brought on were Stelios and Andranik. On the bench, we had Walker, Gary Speed, Zoltan Hussaini, James Sinclair, and Sissons. I can't even remember his first name. Robert,
0: Robert Sissons. Sissons. How oh. did
2: we not get battered? Only... Not only, I think only five of that whole team would get into our team now. It's mad. It's absolutely mad. Well, I
0: just think that's the, that's the sort of thing we're looking back at, the, the sort of force of character, you know. At uh, my top three, I'm not going not to be to the shit, I'll do it in a sec. but I think that the force of character David showed as captain that night. Was he captain was it Nolan? Probably maybe Nolan. Nolan captain that. Night. Yeah. Think, no, thinking back, But Davies, Davies being the undoubted sort of focal point and, and talisman of the team. Um, I just think the man the man just can do can do no wrong I don't care how things ended I think he's only going to be viewed positively by uh, by those with a positive outlook right my top three we're going to go with England number three obviously just because it was all playing for England you know we've been talking about it maybe a bit tongue-in-cheek for years years and years as well that he should be playing for England but we knew deep down he probably wouldn't ever do but then for him to finally get that chance to, to play for England was—I I did. You said before, felt like a proud father, uh, and that's exactly how it was. It was the case of you know a bit of a tear in tear eye. Look, you know, look how far we've come. This is this is our Kev, our Kev playing for England on the international stage. And that booking was bollocks as well. That booking was absolute <laughs> bollocks. He didn't deserve. He didn't deserve to get that uh, that that honour. But hey, it, maybe it was quite fitting in some respects that that Definitely. was uh, that that was super Kev. Um, second, I'm going to go with the, the goal I mentioned before against Man United, um, showing a, a you know deft little touch. A neat finish uh, and perhaps uh, sticking it down people's necks that there was a player in there as well, uh, despite his his public reputation. And I am also going to go with Munich for number one, but I'm not going to go with his goal. I'm going to go with an incident that happened in the second half and um, uh, right in front of us. In fact, it was in the first half. So end of the first half, uh, he dumped Lucio on his ass. He absolutely. Pounded Lucio with it with a, a strong tackle right in the corner. Lucio, if you remember, he was a big, tough Brazilian yeah. monster, six foot four centre half. But he was he was kind of like Pepe from Real Madrid. He was a sneaky, dirty sod at the same time. Uh, and he obviously probably never even heard of Kevin Davies and probably never gave Kevin Davies a second thought. Game, he knew exactly who Kevin Davies was. And I looked at that, I was laughing my pissed up face off for the rest of the entire game. Kevin Davies had just dumped this Brazilian monster of a centre half on his backside. No, totally unceremoniously, no messing about at all. And I just thought that totally sums up why I love Kevin Davies. The man, he was no, no respect to a reputation. He had no interest in, in playing personalities or anything like that. He just did what he had to do for the team. Uh, and the goal will always be remembered. Absolutely no danger at all. But that moment he dumped Lucio on his ass was, was sensational. I, I just think that the biggest footballing regret of my entire life is that I never got to see Kevin Davies play against Pepe.
1: Real Madrid no, I just think given,
0: given, the, given the oh you know I just think it would have been so so funny to watch because obviously Pepe you've got another another Brazilian Portuguese uh, when he wants to be centre half of, of, of serious reputation in terms of he's meant to be a tough guy uh, Sergio Ramos being another one uh, I just think that Devo against those two he would eat them for breakfast uh, and it would be a, a, an absolute battle for the ages make no mistake about it whatsoever but these have been some absolutely sensational uh, memories of, of Kevin Davies and we know that his, his contribution will never be forgotten. We're not going to uh, we're not going to go on about it at, at too much length now because the podcast is getting late. Um, but thank you both for your contributions. Thank you, Rob, as well, for your contribution to the earlier part of the pod, obviously. Splitting it over two nights meant that we have a, a life as well. Well, some of us do anyway, mainly Rob, not us. Um, and we thank you, everyone, for listening as well. We're still available on iTunes for you to rate and to, to re- review also. Uh, those five-star reviews do help us. Um, we're also going to try and put Dan into some sort of program for his potty mouth. We'll get that changed <laughs> as well. Um but Tom, where can people find you online? I know we go through this every single week, but given the fact we're having new listeners coming in the draws, I think it's uh, it's sensible just to remind people if they want to hear more of your musings, where they can find you.
1: Yeah, if you want to find me on Twitter, I'll be posting emotional tweets and pictures about Kevin Davis for the foreseeable future at
0: down <laughs> the money rd. Fantastic, and
1: Daniel, same
2: for you. As always, it is at Mabroski. You can find all the writing stuff I do, and there's loads of it, far too much right stuff I do on there because I'll link it furiously, so come and say hi
0: excellent and yeah uh, I'm at nineteen and eighty three just want to thank everyone as well for the support and then again for the uh, for the numbers that you're actually coming to visit the site uh, last month alone, I think we had one hundred and seventeen thousand views um which is breaking all records. Uh, things are looking up. Uh, we've not seen numbers like this since the Premier League years on on the site. Obviously, it's been a bit of a a, a a dire couple of seasons for the team, but the, the website's gone from strength to strength. And we do thank you all, one and all, for your for your patronage and also for your support. Uh, so we'll leave it at that. We've got uh, Wolves on at home on Saturday. We'll have a pod for you out on Sunday uh, ahead of the Sheffield Wednesday game, which I think is the Tuesday. Is it Tuesday or Wednesday? Well, I can't remember exactly well, remember. It, it's one of the two. I
2: want to say Wednesday, but it might be Tuesday. I can't. It's one. Of the yeah.
0: Saturdays. So we'll we'll. we'll, we'll yeah, we'll, we'll be back to discuss Wolves uh, after the game on Saturday. Uh, so give us a download, uh, great review on iTunes, like us on Facebook, like us on Twitter, etc. Uh, have a good week and we'll see you same back time, same back channel. Have a good one. Cheers, bye.